The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. In today's message, Elder Buddy Abernathy continues on the topic of be ready to answer by looking again at Romans chapter 10. This chapter is one that is often misunderstood by the world, and it's so important that we rightly divide it. One of the things Brother Buddy has already pointed out is that anytime you see the word saved in the scripture, you need to ask the question, saved from what? In this series of messages, Brother Buddy has explained very well what these Jews needed to be saved from in Romans chapter 10. I hope you'll join us today and tomorrow for the conclusion of this series, Be Ready to Answer. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
This morning we looked at Romans chapter 10 and we covered the uh, first eight verses. I was hoping that I could cover at least half of it this morning and I don't know if we'll be able to finish all of it tonight, but that's our goal. I wanted to present this in such a way that we could easily relate to what's under consideration here. And I began by saying that this chapter is probably more than any other commonly referenced by the religious world as a portion of the Bible that contains instructions on how we can be saved from our sins. And that is done by taking various verses out of the context and not considering uh, the other things in the chapter. Right. Now, let me just quickly restate what we mentioned this morning for the benefit of those that were not here. And instead of quoting the scriptures, I'm just gonna put it in my own words. Paul is saying that I am concerned about my relatives, the Israelites, my kinsmen according to the flesh. He says, it's my prayer that they would be saved. Now, whenever you read the word saved in the Bible, you need to ask saved from what? And also what I noticed in studying this today is that there's no mention in this chapter of being saved from our sins. That's right. Paul says, it's my burden, my prayer, that my relatives who don't know the truth would be saved. Mm-hmm. He's saying that they think that they must make themselves right with God. That's right. And they're going about to establish their own righteousness. And one of the key verses in this whole chapter is verse 4, which says Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. When you believe that Jesus is the Savior, you do not gain eternal life in doing so, but rather you have come to realize that it's not up to me to get things right between me and God. And that's the salvation under consideration here. Paul is saying, I want my brethren, my kinsmen, to be saved from ignorance. I want them to be saved from the false doctrines, and I want them to know and rest in what Paul said in Galatians 5.1. I want them to be able to stand fast in the liberty where with Christ hath made us free. What I love about the King James Bible, sometimes the grammar is a challenge, but once you understand the grammar, it makes the point crystal clear. Notice here in Galatians 5.1, the end of that verse makes this declarative absolute truth. Christ hath made us free. But the instruction of the verse is we need to stand fast in that. We need to accept that truth. You know, primitive Baptists don't believe in accepting Christ to be saved, but we do believe in accepting the truth of what Christ did so that we can be saved 
from ignorance, but more importantly, that we could be saved from bondage that many of God's children are experiencing today. The problem Paul was concerned with here is the same thing we face in the religious world today. He says in verse 8, talking about the word of faith. We want to understand what that is. Verse 8, but what saith it? What saith the word of faith? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now this morning we referred back to Jeremiah 31, 30, uh, chapter 31, verses 33 and 34. And we noted that when a person has been born again, God has written their law, His laws in their heart. He's printed them in their mind. He said, I will be unto them a God, and they shall be unto me a people. He says, they shall all know me. In the same way that a baby knows its mother, but doesn't know a whole lot about her, a child of God that has been born of the Spirit knows God. They shall all know me from the least unto the greatest. And I like what Jesus said in John 17 when he said, This is life eternal, that they might know thee the only true God and Jesus whom thou hast sent. The definition of eternal life, according to Jesus, is knowing God. Everyone born of the Spirit knows Him in the sense that they are aware of Him. There's something inside of them that is sensitive to the things of the Lord. So here in verse 8, Paul is saying the word of faith, what we're preaching, it's already in your mouth and in your heart that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. Right. Again, the question is, saved from what? And the thing to keep in mind is, none of these verses speak of being saved from our sins. We as primitive Baptists love Matthew 1.21, where it says, He shall save His people from their sins. I love the grammar of that verse. Yeah. They were His people before He came into the world. They were His people before He saved them. Right. He came to save who? His people from their sins. In Luke's account of the Gospel, he says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That implies previous possession. Right. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And He either succeeded in doing that or he was a failure. Right. We believe he succeeded. We believe that we were uh, redeemed and that we have an inheritance Amen. in heaven awaiting us by grace. Amen. Now, notice this. Romans 10, 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. It's all, there's always a reason why that when Jesus is referenced, sometimes... It will say Jesus Christ. Sometimes it will say the Christ. Sometimes it will say 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Here it says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. The word Jesus means Savior. He says, if you acknowledge, if you recognize, if you believe, if you will accept that this is the truth, if you can find, uh, uh, if you can find it within your heart to say, yes, that's my hope. He says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, when someone comes to be baptized, what do we want them to know? Even if they're a small child, we want them to believe that Jesus is their Savior. We want them to have at least some understanding that when they're baptized, they're professing before the whole church that they believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. They believe that although one day they die and are buried, they'll be raised again. And they are saying when they are baptized that I'm going to arise and walk in newness of life. Amen. Verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's with the heart that man lays hold on that verse we read this morning in 2 Corinthians 5.21 when it says God hath made him, Jesus, God hath made him sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What do we believe? We believe that we were made the righteousness of God in him. This says with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Isn't that what you believe tonight? That you were made the righteousness of God in Jesus. Amen. That's what I believe. I, I, I believe that with all my heart. And when you believe that, he says, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. In other words, when, you, when this uh, becomes a part of your heart and you let it out with your mouth, you have now uh, experienced deliverance. Deliverance Amen. from what you formerly believed and considered to be the truth. Right. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Why does he bring that up? Why does he say there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek? Well, first of all, in the Old Testament, there was a difference between the Jew and the Greek. And the Jews made sure that the Greeks didn't forget that. And that was still going on in the New Testament. There is a difference between us. As far as the Lord was, con as far as God is concerned, in the Old Testament, the difference was that He sovereignly chose to give Israel, the Jews, His divine revelation. And He did not give that revelation to the Greeks or the Gentiles. But now, uh, in God choosing a people to uh, give light to in the Old Testament is a picture of the larger truth that.
that God has an elect people out of every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue under heaven. And according to this verse, in that sense, there's no difference. God has elect among the Jews. God has elect among the Gentiles. It's always been that way, even in the Old Testament. But in the Old Testament, uh, Israel was a visible representation of this truth of the doctrine of election. He says now in the New Testament where we're not where the uh, where what was uh, taught in the law has been fulfilled. He said there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. The same Lord overall is rich unto all that call on him for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I think that, at least in my experience, we've allowed others to rob us of the truth of this verse. How many pamphlets have you picked up that would give instructions on how someone can be saved from their sins? Yeah. It will always include at least one of these verses. But in the context, Paul is concerned with the same thing that all of us are concerned about. He's saying, man, I wish my cousin could see the truth. I wish this guy I work with, whom I've had many discussions with, could see the truth. I know he's a child of God. I'm not worried about that. The evidence is clear. But oh, how happy he would be if he could see the truth. I made the comment uh, last Sunday night, it was, about this experience with a young lady that talked to a preacher who believed if you were going to go to heaven, you really had to persevere in godly living. And in her conversation with him, uh, she talked about how doubtful she was. And she had prayed all night and she didn't feel any better she felt to be the same and he told her well you just got to go back home and pray and pray and pray and if you don't feel better you'll know you're still in the same condition and I thought ma'am what she needed was a primitive Baptist preacher Amen. she needed someone to tell her the reason you feel that way is because you're born again Amen. you're on your way to heaven and I'm here to tell you why you don't need to be afraid, why you don't need to be burdened down. I'm here to tell you that Jesus saved you Amen. and you're secure in him. Right. So you see how up to date the Bible is. Yes. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now, Paul here gives what we might refer to as a formula. Now, I want to make this clear in the beginning. You will never come up with a formula where you can say, give me someone born again and I'll convert them to the truth. You will never come up with that formula. 
There always has been and always will be a mystical element that you can't figure out. The person that you thought might be enlightened to the truth never sees. And this other person over here that you say, well, I know what they believe and how dedicated they are to it. They'll never believe the truth. And that's the very one that believes it. You know why it's that way? So that when they're converted, you'll say, Lord, I didn't do it. You did. Amen. You just blessed me to be a little a, a tool involved in it. You used me to help in the matter. Not that you needed my help, but the Bible says God hath manifested His Word through preaching. Right. That's His ordinary means of enlightening His children of the truth. That's right. So notice the, the formula here. And I use that word lightly. He says God sends preachers who preach those to whom they are preaching to hear it they believe they call upon the name of the lord and they're saved in the sense we've been talking about you say brother buddy there seems that seems to be a lot to do no god calls men to preach and they preach people hear it and our concern is that the child of God will believe it. That they'll believe that Jesus saved them and that they will consequently call upon Him in the way these verses have described and experienced that deliverance that can only be found in knowing and believing the truth. But I want us to consider these verses that follow. Verse 16. Well, first of all, the flow of the language here is important to an accurate interpretation. Verses 14 and 15 are giving this process of preaching and hearing and believing and calling. And verse 15 concludes with a quotation from Isaiah that ends with an exclamation point. He says, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. In other words, he has just in these two verses described the blessing and the excitement we should have about the gospel being preached. Because the gospel is what saves God's children from this untoward generation. Amen. But after that exclamation point, Paul says in verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. That's the same way it is today, isn't it? You know, it would, it would be uh, very easy to uh, build a church if all we had to do was say I'm going to go preach the truth to some of my friends down there at this denominational church and when I preach it to them they're going to believe it and they're going to be converted. Paul says they have not all obeyed right. the gospel. Mm -hmm. And this was even taught in the Old Testament. For Isaiah saith Lord, who hath believed our report? Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message.
If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.